Hi everyone, this is Anna and this is my podcast, Anademia, about graduate school from a Black and STEM perspective. Today I have my first ever guest. She's a good friend, Jackie Jackson. She's a biology student at NYU in the first year of her PhD program and she's studying evolutionary biology. Hi Jackie. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's pretty warm out today, surprisingly in January, but yeah. I'm not complaining 100%. <laughs> I know, oh my gosh, global warming is really hitting hard and the fact that our, well not my president, <laughs> says that it's not real is ridiculous. Yeah, it's clearly been showing signs every year nowadays. Like, there's always a drastic difference. I'm waiting for a huge storm to hit at this point. We hate to see it. Yeah. So, how's PhD life going? So, it's been good overall. I feel like I've learned a lot so far, but I will say it's not easy. It is not for the faint-hearted, because all that happens for half of it is people critiquing you. It's not, like, too common, but do people go into PhDs not really knowing how much work they're getting into? Um, I would say maybe that happened to me. <laughs> it's just I was surprised by the type of coursework that we get. I guess I didn't know what to expect, so I kind of just went in blindly myself, thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm going back to school, you know? But I knew it wasn't going to be, like, lecture-based, so I was like, oh, cool, discussions, like, that's cool. Then I get to the discussion type of course, and I'm like, this is a little scary. <laughs> What's your background, first of all, going into it? What made you decide to pursue a PhD? So I originally went to get my bachelor's in animal science, pre-veterinary science, I thought I was going to be a vet, and so I took very hard, like, biology courses, did orgo and everything, and I've worked at um, animal hospitals, and I worked at a zoo, at the Staten Island Zoo, and I worked on the farm at school, so I had a lot of experience working with animals, but I realized it wasn't really, like, a medical aspect of what I was interested in with animals. I was more interested in animals themselves. So I wanted to understand, like, how they've adapted to their environments, like, why they are shaped the way they are, why they have these cool adaptations that are different than us. So then evolutionary biology just suddenly seems like the right direction to go into. And because I was writing down my uh, interests, so I was like, evolution, adaptation, uh, changing things over time, like animals. So I, like, combined that all, and it was like, evolutionary biology. So I decided to do the PhD because I'm really interested in doing research and I really want to learn about animals. So it's all like very, like it just combines that together and I'll be able to continue studying animals even after school. That's really cool because I actually studied evolutionary biology for undergrad. So that's so cool, really? Yeah, I did um, bees, like oh, the yeah. evolution, diversity, mm -hmm. and then I got more into genetics. Mm -hmm. So would you say your animal interest is kind of becoming the focus of your PhD thesis? Yes, I guess 
I am coming into this program studying evolution of animal behaviors. What animal for the people? <laughs> uh, the past year, I've been working in a lab at NYU studying Cinerobditis elegans. So, for the people out there, we'll just call them worms. These worms are heavily studied in um, biomedical research. So there's a lot of information on these worms, like testing different types of drugs. They're even doing like uh, microbiota, um, testing to see how like bacteria affects how the worms survive because uh, the animals respond to bacterial diets. So um, I am more interested in learning about the animal themselves. So research with the biomedical uh, backgrounds or even like genetics, some people don't even think about the animal at all. They're just kind of used as a platform to conduct experiments. Can't even lie. That's yeah. me. That's me in lab right now because I work with sea elegants as well. And I'm just taking care of them to inject them. With me. <laughs> I'm not doing anything else. Exactly. So I'm here to study their actual behaviors, um, just to like understand the worm. I'm interested in, like its anatomy. Like I'm interested in how they communicate with each other and how they spread across um, the food source that they find. So I'm interested in like population biology and uh, just behavior, animal behavior. So. Oh, that's really cool. And it's funny how, like, you transitioned from wanting to become a vet, going to vet school, and now in your PhD, you still can't focus on animals. Yeah, exactly. And it's nice because a lot of people don't think about the worms. Exactly. The worms are neglected. Exactly. So you are saving the worms. I'm proud of you. Yeah, there's only a handful of professors out there studying the ecology of these worms. So... There's so few research on this topic. So that actually rolls into my next question <laughs> as to why you chose to go to NYU for your PhD. Like when you were applying, were you focused on places that actually looked at the worms mm -hmm. as animals in themselves and were studying the worms and not using them as models? So... When applying to schools, are you talking, when you talk about applying to schools, or do you mean like just NYU? Schools in general, but you can also talk about like NYU and why you decided to apply there. Okay, so when applying to schools, I wanted to apply to schools in New York. So I only applied to like three schools to get into like a PhD program. So it was like Columbia, CUNY, and NYU. And CUNY and Columbia, if I were to go there, I'd be studying like mammals because that's what I want to actually study eventually because I know like the most information about them. It's like basically everything I've studied up to this point is like mammals and like I guess like some birds and stuff. But like for the most part, I love the furry, cuddly and like maternal care. So I'm like very interested in mammals, but for... uh. NYU, I was already working with these worms, and I honestly have became pretty attached to them because <laughs> they're so cool, and there's, like, so many different species that I've worked with. I actually don't even work with the model or the typically used species of these worms and actually have only studied the tropical ones. So um, 
I, I'm super interested in them and I just like wanted to continue studying them and I wish I could study everything about them, but I only have like four years, so. You know, if you go into academia, then you'll have plenty more years to study them. Yeah, but I would, I probably won't work with worms after my PhD. You want to expand? Yeah, like I'm interested in like all types of animals, so like there's more to see, you know. And I feel like it's kind of rare you could be, you know, a trendsetter and actually like, I feel like research is mainly focused on, you know, the basic sea elegance, Drosophila, zebrafish, like, you know, so yeah. you could actually go on and maybe look at another animal and like how their systems, do you want to see how the animals like their systems can help us discover a human disease or are you more focused on the animal? I'm more focused on the animal. Okay. Yeah. I feel like most researchers are focused on, like, a medical aspect, at least the people around us. But there's also, like, a huge group of people that just study the animals. So. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be a wildlife biologist, per se, because I guess I still love all, the, like, the heavy, like, genetic stuff and, like, the, I don't know, more theory aspects. I'm not, like conservation 100% but obviously I believe in that too. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It seems like you have a diverse range of tastes and I feel like as a PhD student that's what you need. You can't get stuck onto one thing. Yeah. You have to have like because a lot of people can't get stuck on their projects but you have to have like be able to like see the future and I feel like you're the type of person who can see the future. Not that's a raven but like <laughs> You're not overthinking it. You're like, okay, I'm doing this now, but there's a possibility to change later. Yes. And that's like a really good thing. Yes. So Jackie, as we discussed, you are a first year PhD student. And I know your experience is a little different than most people. So can you tell the people like what was going on in the year before you started your PhD program? Okay, so the year before I started my PhD program, I had one uh, NIH grant called the Diversity Supplement Grant, so I can work as a co-PI on a project with a professor in any school, as long as they had an NIH grant. So I started working with Matthew Rockman at NYU, and he became my mentor for the year. That was his role as being my uh, sponsor, I guess, for this uh, grant. So it was great because we also had funding to go to conferences and um, we went to Costa Rica to go collect worms. So that was great. But he uh, helped me figure out what schools I could look into and... Um, really helped me narrow down my interests because they were just so broad when I first got there. So um, that was all very helpful. And he was one of the people going through the whole uh, recruitment process. So um, he would like give me like updates on stuff. But it was really funny because I was already at NYU. So I got to meet like 
half of the students who were interviewing on a different weekend than I was interviewing for NYU. So I kind of got to meet everybody <laughs> before like school even started in a way because like I had the opportunity to talk to everyone before. So that was really funny. So like when I came into the program, they're like, oh, yeah, I met you on this weekend, but you interviewed that weekend. And it was like kind of funny. So, um, yeah, so I guess it was a nice transition from being a researcher to becoming a student there because I was already used to the environment. Like some students come from all over. There's a lot of international students that are in my cohort. So they're in taking on New York for the first time and stuff like that. But I'm from Jersey, so New York's just like whatever. <laughs> not whatever. It's amazing, but not as. It's better than New Jersey. <laughs> New York City. Yeah, sure. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, Jersey's better. So, we have this argument all the time, guys, but she doesn't win it. I do. So when you were... A research assistant, you saw the PhD students in your lab already. So what did you kind of know about the PhD life from seeing them and being in that environment beforehand? So, yeah, in our lab, we had one PhD student and I mean, he was he's a second year student. So it was the first time he was actually in the lab uh, for the for, for his full room uh, after rotations are done so he was also new so like we both came in we both got the intro powerpoint of like what worms are and like why they're important and who started studying them and stuff like that and um Saul's a really chill guy so I mean it looked fun to me I mean he was doing like basically what I was doing but like he had a more like uh centered projects on like what he's more like interested in so I was like okay I know like I'll be able to choose whatever I want if I stay in this lab because Matt kind of just lets us do whatever we want as long as it's within the realm of worms obviously so um being with a PhD student prior I could ask him a lot of questions so I could be like oh like what do you think about this professor so going in I did have a lot of information that other students didn't have like during the interview weeks. Mm-hmm. So like I was able to choose like, well, we all are able to choose the professors that we want to interview, but like I already knew some of them. So like I knew their behaviors, like I knew to talk to them. So like I felt more comfortable compared to maybe like other students who were interviewing because I had like a PhD student at the school mm-hmm. tell me like who I should talk to, you know, as well. So. I don't know. It seems like the PhD life is cool. You just do research all day and go to conferences once a year or something. (laughs) Did it seem like the PhD students had a good, like, work-life balance? Or did you see a lot of them hold up in lab, reading articles all the time? I guess it really depends on the person. Mm -hmm. I feel like there are more people who, like, the lab is their life. Like, that's just what they chose. But then there are, like, more, like, chill people that do go out have fun. So it really it depends on the person, I think. So it's possible to yeah. do both. It's possible, I think it's possible to have to that balance. Both. Yes. It's the want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because take your Saturday seriously. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. That's what I say. That's what I always <laughs> say. Even in undergrad, like, yeah. you have to have one day yeah. that's just chill. Yeah. 
even though like an exam might be coming up, you could have like finals, whatever. Self care is important. Oh, number one. I 100% number agree. One. That is like number one for me. That's, so I try to make my experience as easy as possible. <laughs> so, since you knew so much about NYU going into it mm-hmm. and the PhD program, mm-hmm. what was surprising to you about your first year? Was there anything that has happened that you were like, oh, I was not expecting this? Like, <laughs> um, I guess I'm not really sure. Let me think. Um, I guess I kind of expected some of the things. I guess I wasn't expecting them to be so dismissive to evolutionary students. (laughs) How so? Because I thought evolutionary biology is a big thing. We have Darwin. (laughs) It's huge. So what's going on? So this department, I think in the past just didn't have as big of an evolutionary draw. So like I think some of the evolution professors that are there are more recent, but recent as in like the past 10 years, but that's recent enough for like the program to really show itself as more of a molecular biology program. Because in other schools, uh, evolutionary biology is usually its own thing, like a separate major because there's usually an evolution and ecology department at a school, but at NYU, they don't have that. But if you really think about it, there's not a lot of space to be studying any animals. So it's understandable to me why downtown New York might not have a huge program for that. We are in New York City at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't know, but... That surprised you. Yeah, it surprised me because it kind of pissed me off. I would be mad too. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what you want to do. So you want people to yeah. like teach me. Have the access. Yes. So speaking of teaching, yes. how were your first year courses? Tell the people what you've been taking. Okay. You don't need to say your GPA if you want, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I straight A's, guys. A too. <laughs> Nerd gang. Yeah. Um so the courses I took, I'll start with Biostat. We had to learn statistics using R, which is a software for statistical analyses. And um, it was pretty hard. R is hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking an R course next semester, <laughs> and I'm scared. But I think you can you'll help be me. fine because you've taken like previous coding courses. Yeah. Like, this is my first one ever. So I was considered probably a beginner student. So it was funny, in my cohort, there were 15 of us, and with STAT, it felt like there were three tiers. So there was the beginners, the intermediates, and the advanced. And I was at the beginner, okay? So <laughs> it was not easy. And I completely understand. Thankful for my cohort friends to help me out because it wasn't going to happen on its own. <laughs> yeah, we're not computer science majors. No. Like... But every, like, research scientist has to learn R at some point in biology, it seems. So (laughs) it's the life. What other courses did you take? So I took um, this course called um, BioCore, which for NYU grad programs, it's like their core bio class. And so for uh, the PhD level of that course, 
it's discussion-based. And so this course was very difficult. So a different professor in the department each week would present like two or three papers for us to read. And for that week, we would have to read those papers, come in to class, be ready to discuss them, go over the figures of the paper, really like kind of dissect it. And um, then the other half of the class, we would be assigned to a group and there would be a group leader who would then have to answer a question that the professor made and create a new experiment based off of this question that the professor posed. And we only have like 10 minutes to think of something. Wow. Yes. (laughs) I'm not good at thinking like on my feet. Yes. So... That would be difficult for me, too. Oh, it is very difficult. <laughs> and um, like these professors, like, some of them just don't realize that we just really don't know what they're saying. Because <laughs> the papers they give are very specific and technical. So if you're not studying developmental biology, then you have no idea what this paper is talking about. So every single word you'd have to look up. Just, like, getting through the intro of a paper would be, like, very difficult. So how long would it take you to read these papers? Let's say I would start on Sunday, all of Sunday, and then by Tuesday night I would hope that I had all the papers read (laughs) and then um, come to class. And actually before class, me and a couple of friends would meet up and like discuss the papers ourselves between each other to make sure we understood what was going on. So when we go to class, we can actually like talk about it and not feel like we don't know anything because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very difficult at first. Over time, it got better because we just got used to the language and we just got used to the flow of the class and stuff. So it got better over time, but... Yeah, it's okay to not understand anything when you first get to your PhD. <laughs> um, you're not supposed to know. It's okay. Like, at least some professors understand that and, like, will tailor their language to you in a way that's, like, it's okay. Like, we understand you're new, you know? Like, some, yeah. like, are very kind and will express it at least. And so that would help. Because you're just getting started. Like some yeah. people change the subjects that they want to study during their PhD. They could go from evolution to like stem cells. Yeah, like, exactly. It's a complete, like you don't know what's going to happen when yeah. you, after you rotate. Yeah. So, so yeah. Especially like NYU, they try to focus on diversity. And when I say diversity, I mean just very diverse backgrounds. So that's why there's a lot of international students and just students, even from like students from New York, they're all like very different. Like they have different backgrounds and they have different like lifestyles. So it's just like diverse. And so when they bring us all together and try to teach us one topic, but we're all like very different, you know, it's like hard for us. It's hard for a professor to expect us to know everything like all of us to know everything so a lot of like them would be like oh yeah we understand like you're from diverse backgrounds and we know that you're gonna have different ideas on topics this is why we brought you all together at the end of the day that's good because when you're discussing that with different people Mm -hmm. you get diverse perspectives and you see like something you possibly wouldn't have seen anywhere else yeah exactly so this is why we need diversity, y'all. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> so, 
So did, were there any other courses? So Biostat, uh, we have BioCore. Oh, yes. Um, and I was taking, it was called Arts of Scientific Investigation. And that course, we were learning, like, ethics. So, like, knowing, like, when you're plagiarizing and, like, also thinking about, like, how to not forge your information and just knowing that people have in the past. So it's, like, just being, learning, like, to be honest, basically, an honest researcher. And then also we had to write, it, like, learn how to write certain type of pieces. So, like, we had to learn how to write a cover letter. We were um, writing a piece for a younger audience so they, so we can learn how to simplify our language. And um, we also learned presenting skills. They, like, edit, like, told us how to make, like, PowerPoints more effectively and how to, like, make sure to look at the crowd when you're talking, you know, like, stuff like that. And um, I felt like that course was very helpful. Yeah, this sounds very useful. Yeah, it was, like, and very useful, yeah. Kind of like how they have in undergrad workshops on writing your resume, writing your cover letter. It kind of sounds like that, except tailored to PhD students. Yes. Exactly. And how you're going to further yourself as a researcher. Yeah. Was there, that doesn't sound like a really homework class, but I guess I don't know, you tell me. It was like, okay, so it was like writing and presentations, and like sometimes like it would overlap. So like writing for me is not easy. I don't think for any biologist, <laughs> no biology student or biology researcher likes writing. Yeah, it's just like terrible. I haven't met one. <laughs> but I felt like in this class, I actually didn't mind writing for it because I guess I do like factual writing. Like I like just writing facts down. Like I think that is better than like some expository writing where I have to like fluff something up to sound like fancy, you know. Like scientific writing, I think I like the format of it. Like it's just more structured, I feel like, than other types of writing. So, I mean, I feel like I got became a better writer like through that course. So that was really good. Um, and I feel like I became like a more like uh concise like speaker and writer so I feel like that was all very helpful because in the science community like being able to present your information I feel like is very important if you want to be effective yeah and same with writing so like I really took that class seriously because <laughs> I wanted the professor to be able to like, grade me at my best you know so I can like do better so that's yeah. really good because I feel like these courses are very like it's intro but at the same time rigorous for preparation yes so it's a good balance it doesn't seem like they're just throwing you to the wolves <laughs> it's not too too bad it's not too bad because people actually want to help you that's yeah that's what i really like about the nyu like bio department because the people actually do care about you like i feel like in some departments that's not true they, like, look down upon their students. They're just, like, unavailable, you know? Like, they just, like, don't care. But, like, NYU, like, actively tries to be, accept like, accessible to students. So I find that to be refreshing, personally, because <laughs> I did not have this in undergrad. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. <laughs> the undergrad community, no one was trying to help you because they're trying to, 
like push you down so that you don't get a higher score from them yeah. and ruin the curve. Yeah. So it definitely seems like PhD is less, would you say it's less competitive? Yes, because you're already there. You know, you made it. Like everyone's proud of you. Like everyone knows you're smart. Like you're there for a reason. And they chose you out of how many applicants, you know? So if you made it there, know you're smart. That's like the most important thing. Cause I feel like being a new student, it's so easy to just feel so dumb. <laughs> yep. It's called imposter syndrome, y'all. Oh God. We it know hits it well. you hard. <laughs> it's like so intense, especially for like students of color, black students, cause you already got racism. <laughs> and then that added on to feeling inadequate in academia like in school where it's supposed to be a uh, even ground you're like wow that's not doesn't feel great no. so it's nice that like NYU and your PhD program is like provide you support so even when you feel that way yeah. you have tools to help you yeah yeah and I also feel like very lucky that I feel like I've someone to talk to if I really like had a big problem with something going on. One of the tips I would have would be to make that mentor connection early on, like when you yes. start your PhD program. That way you have support from, like cohort support is good too, mm -hmm. but having support from someone who's been in academia for a long time, has been doing research for a long time, that is very helpful yes. in your PhD career. Yes, yeah. Would you say there's anything else, any other tips you would give to a first-year PhD student? Yes, I would say choosing your mentor in general is just very important. Know what you want out of a mentor. Like, is it that you want to have someone around all, enough of the day where you can ask them questions, or are you okay with them being more hands off or like do you like want to feel that family like bond within your lab or you just don't really that doesn't matter to you and you're just there to do the research like know what you want out of your experience you have the first year to figure that out but once you are in a lab you're kind of there I mean you can move but that will slow down your process yeah you don't want to be in school for like <laughs> seven eight years like yeah exactly like you're so like getting married like you don't want to be like in school forever if you didn't like have to be <laughs> so just know what you want know what you want to study obviously not every professor might have everything that you want but find something that's as close as possible because it really will matter on your whole mental health about where you are for the next couple of years. Because you're going to be in that lab every day. And it's a lab, so, like, it's a smaller space, you know? Like, you're in crowded areas. There's tons of chemicals around you. So... Yeah, take your rotation <laughs> seriously. When you see the environment, like... Yes, yes. Know that that is how it's going to be four years just take everything at face value yes exactly that's yeah. so important yeah i think those are very good tips and definitely helpful to like master students like me mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. 
If you could tell yourself anything on the first day of your PhD program, what would you say? Get ready for it, because it's going to be hard. <laughs> I would tell myself, you don't know anything. It's okay to not know anything. It's going to be hard, but you'll come out okay. <laughs> See? I like that, you know? There's hope on the other side, people. <laughs> you, we've heard a lot today about the rigorous PhD training and the like courses you go through, but you can make it through. So after this year, how many more years do you have left? So I technically have four more years left. Okay, so what do you plan to do for the next four more years and what do you want to do after you graduate with your PhD from NYU, Dr. Jackson? <laughs> so I plan to be working with the worms. I hope to somehow create some drastic change in the worm community if that's possible. I hope to uncover some information about the worms ecology and what makes them, what makes the worms the way they are with their behaviors and the way they look. So I hope just to really learn about the worms at the end of the day and bring knowledge to the community that's really important. And afterwards, I plan to do a postdoc, hopefully somewhere warm. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Cali, West yeah, Coast. I know. And a postdoc's around like hopefully like two to three years. That's what I'm aiming for. So like I'll only be gone from this area for like three years or so. So I feel like I could just explore some place. Like even if I like, decide, like I don't know, Europe, I don't really know. Um, just somewhere cool. And then afterwards, I plan to be a professor. I hope that will be somewhere warm as well. <laughs> but um, yes, I hope to teach. I want to mentor. I want to help raise our next generation of scientists and get them motivated and excited about science. I think that's great because also there are literally no black science professors. Yes. Like, where are they? Yeah. Well, now we'll have one, but <laughs> maybe two. I don't know, guys. I don't think I'm going into academia, but it's rare. So you'll really be an inspiration to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy going into school or even just into research. I didn't realize, I guess, the demographic behind it. It just never occurred to me because I was studying to be a veterinary scientist or whatever event this whole time. So um, I did not think about like what my presence meant until I got here. And I was just like, wow, like I feel like important in the way that I represent my people. You know, I just never thought I would be put in that position because I just didn't know that or I didn't think about that there were a lack of scholars that were black. And then I looked around and I was just like, it's me. <laughs> Where are the people? <laughs> Where are my people? And like, even if I like type in like 
evolutionary professors that are black. Like I literally like have like tried to look this up and like see who there are, and there's like very few, like very few. And it's kind of crazy to think about. Like when applying for that diversity supplement, like I see why they had to supplement. You know, like it's really sad. And one of the letters that had to get written for that um, grant to go in, uh, someone had to write the percentage of black scientists there were in the genetics field, and it was like 3%. Wow, I didn't even know that, and I'm going into genetics. I'm going to be one of 3% of black geneticists. That's ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. You know what? It kind of gives you motivation to be like, okay, we're getting through. We're going to get this PhD. We're going to become doctors. And then we'll inspire people. Because it's Mm -hmm. hard when you don't see yourself. Because there's some people that, like, that will deter them from Mm -hmm. certain fields. Which is, like, sad, but it's true. Because that can affect your, like, mental health, too, if you're the only one in this feel like only one in this PhD program that you're going to be in for years. That would be so rough. So it gives you like, you know, this gives me hope for the future. Like (laughs) we're going to be powerful black scientists and it's going to be great. But thank you for being on. I'm so glad I could have you. (laughs) Y'all. Thanks for having me. Of course. Anytime. Come back. Well, maybe we can do a wrap up four years. (laughs) Let me know if you want to hear Jackie four years from now and see what's going on with her and how the next four years of PhD went. I know they're going to be great. Yes, I hope so. I hope they will be. (laughs) They will, because you're doing it. So anything you would like to plug? Socials? So my Twitter is JackJacks. So J-A-C-J-A-C-S underscore. And my Instagram is Jack.Jacks. I'm going to put it in the description so you guys can follow Jackie. She posts like science stuff, non-science stuff, good mix. We love to see it. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.